Hello. Happy New Year. It's a new year. It's 2024. Last time you would have heard my dulcet tones would have been Christmas Day. Or if you listened after Christmas Day, it would have been after then. You'll notice there's a big silence today. That's a solo episode. It's just me, folks. Just me and you. Quite intimate. And if you've got headphones on, I love you. There you go. That's for you. Yes, so today we're going to cover something a bit nerdy. Becca wasn't interested, so no point keeping her around, really. As I record this, she sat in bed watching some crime scene cleaner documentary thing. And I've, as usual, started putting together some of the... This was meant to be the leftover from the Noldor episodes. It was meant to be the, the languages, the etymologies, like all the, the stuff I enjoy doing. There's some of that, but it transformed. And it transformed into elf naming conventions. And if you're a diehard listener to the podcast... You'll have heard me mention it before because I love cosmic horror and it seemed quite cosmic horror-y, the Valarian language. Now before that, let's stop and rewind. Welcome to A Drunk History in Middle Earth. This is a podcast where I, Chris, and usually my wife Rebecca, we break down Tolkien as if we're talking to a drunk person. It's Tolkien Tavern Talk. It's not high and mighty, but I will teach you everything about Tolkien in a way that anybody can understand. That's our the whole point of it. If you've got Instagram, come and follow us on Instagram. You just search for a drunk LOTR history pod or just type a drunk history in Middle Earth. You'll find me. It'll be a right laugh. I post memes a fuckload. I never thought that at 30 year old, I'd be making my own memes. It always seemed like something someone else did. A little bit other, other bit of housekeeping. We've got a Discord. Come and hang out there. And I'm part of a book club, which is called the Fellowship of Readers. And when this episode comes out, which should be the Tuesday after I record it, so we're looking at, it should be out on the 9th of January. On the week starting the 15th of January, the book club I'm in is going to start reading the down uh, the Fall of Numenor, which deals primarily with the Second Age of Middle-earth. We've not dealt with a great deal of it on this podcast because, well, we, we've been concerned with the Silmarillion so far, I've been given Becker and, by extension, yourselves a good groundwork. For, for everything that's happened and as you'll know we've just got to the end of the Noldor um, so that, again we're a bit far away from the end of the first stage but it's a good laugh so if you want to come and join now the reason I'm hyping it up so much is they did a giveaway and I won a copy of the Fall of Numenor a lovely lovely hardback cover and there was another person who won it who turns out I communicate uh, frequently with on, on Instagram or like you know interact with frequently on Instagram but also sparingly interacted with them in the book club as well. I thought they were two fucking separate people. The internet is a crazy place. It it really is. And I now know one less person than I thought I did. (sighs) But I'll get over it, I suppose. Do what you can to to help the podcast, please. Like us, like, subscribe, review, blah, 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 blah. The usual shit, you know, share us, tell people to listen to us. Sneak into that person you fancy. Sneak into their house when they're asleep and turn their Alexa on really quietly playing this podcast let them know your interests please don't do that if you're interested in someone tell them don't be a fucking creep about it that's not cool man or woman but it's mainly men so you know don't be a fucking creep right let's uh, let, let's let's get that out of the way we're done okay should we move on to the actual law stuff i feel like i need what they did with harry potter where when they were filming it with the dobby scenes they put a tennis ball on a stick I feel like I need one of them to look at because I'm used to looking at Becca and I'm not. 
I'm just staring at a soundproof divider that we picked up off Facebook for free from a spec savers that was closing down. And that's all I've got. <sighs> that's all that remains of my wife is a soundproof board. Anyway, right, we're going to go fucking deep today. That's the point of these solo episodes because there'll be more in in future. These will be the subjects that Becker will not be interested in. And she'll tell me she's not interested in them. And that's great. That's good. That means that she knows enough about the law to know what she's not interested in. And to know what you're not interested in, you need to know what you are interested in. Which means that so far, over the past year of this podcast, she's learned a lot. So I'm pretty fucking proud of her. Pretty proud of my wife. I've got some others in line. I'm going to do an episode about calendars that I think is going to be a solo episode. And basically, it's anything where I want to go balls deep in law, but I don't want to worry about Becca saying she's bored or what have you. So, get ready. Take your pants off. Get comfortable. Open your shirt. Three or four buttons down. It's a language one. So first, we're going to cover the Noldor names. Now, the source for this, if you want to go and read it yourself, is an exceptionally good essay. That essay is called The Laws and Customs Among the Eldar. It's written by Tolkien, obviously. It's a very long essay. Oh, it's, well, it's not super long, but it's a very intense essay. It's one of those things that you read where every sentence seems to mean something and you've got to go and like research something off the back of it, which is exactly how I felt. And it's also the same episode. It's also the same essay where we discover elf marriage in general, but also elf divorce. The Statute of Finway and Muriel, which we've discussed on, on an old episode sparingly. Oh, one more errata. When we, me and Becca were drunk, I was telling her about an account I follow on Instagram um, called like uh, Unquenchable Hobbit or something. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I said that the lass who runs it is Swiss. I was so drunk and I know Emma is not Swiss. She's Swedish. So sorry. She lives in Canada. Again, that's as far as I'm going to go. I said I wouldn't talk about it again. So sorry, Emma. Uh, you're not Swiss. She hates Swiss people, she told me, so don't take that up with her, not me. One thing I want to get clear as well. So, you will have seen, if you've read Lord of the Rings, there's a there's a couple of instances where you've got people who have a DH in their names, right? So, Maedros, which is Feanor's son. Pengalot, who is, uh, he's mentioned in The Fall of Gondolin, right? That is pronounced th. So, it's, it's, a, it's a th sound, like a soft th sound. So it's it's te- if you're going to be a dick about it and you want to pull people up on pronunciation, it the way Feanor's son's name is pronounced is Maedros and Pengalov. And it's kind of like a soft th. And that is something that crops up in writings. And it's a, it's a big one that I want to point out. So if you want to impress your friends who have some Tolkien knowledge and they say, oh, Feanor's son Maedros, you say, whoa, 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 hang on. It's actually pronounced Maedros, or it's actually pronounced Pengalov. So technically, you know, okay, I'm not going to judge anyone because I, I, I don't know. I just think Maedros sounds better, but now that I've learned it, I can't really un- unlearn it. Then we'll come to. Uh, well, I'll just cover a little bit of, of stuff before we go on. So Feanor's mum, she's called Muriel. Her surname was interesting, and in that it's Serinda which is a Quenya name. But Quenya did a shift like Spanish did, from a th to a s. Except Spanish went the other way. Spanish went from a s to a th. So, Muriel was called Therinde. And the th, again, is the... That little funny letter. That It's like a Norse letter where it looks like a P with an extra line on the top. Or if you've seen Halloween... 
six, the curse of Michael Myers. So the thorn rune is th sound. And a possible meaning of Muriel is dual daughter. And her surname is means the broideress because of how great her skill was with embroidery. And at the end of her life, so we we know Muriel dies. Uh, well, she she yeah she dies. She goes to Mandos. She doesn't want to come back. Then when Finway is killed by Morgoth, he meets Muriel in the halls of Mandos, and they meet and and they speak via thought. And she's happy to see him, and her grief is lessened. And they agree to swap places, and and that means that. They're not violating the statute of Finway and Muriel, so that no elf may have two spouses uh, while alive, or, or like two spouses that are both alive. So Finway says, "I'm going to stay in the halls of Mandos till the end of time." Muriel, you can go. Muriel says, "I will weave the tapestry of our family's history," and she does. So, so that's how Muriel is able to leave Mandos. And, and that is her, the meaning of her last name is Embroideress. And she goes to live with the, the Valar, of, who, who is like the weaver of fate, which is Mandos's wife. And, and after Muriel died, she got another name called Firiel, which means that she dies or she expires. So then, then let's move on to elf names in general. The Noldor have a little bit of an extra step, but in general, this is how most elf names work. So the well, the Calaquendi, this is how the... I, do you remember the Calaquendi episode, which is the Elves of the Light? This is the elves who've seen the light of the two trees of Alanor. This is generally their naming convention. And they have four types of names. They have the father name. They have the Amelese, the Epese, and the Kilmese. And don't worry, we're going to get into it. So, well, let's start with the first one. After an elf child is born, the father would give them their first name. Naturally, mine would be Chris. Yours would be Anonymous Listener. And the, the father then announces the name to both sides of the family. This ceremony is called the Esekarme, which means name making. And the name's not altered, and that name remains their first name for the rest of their life, or for until the end of time. And it may they may add other names later, but that is their first name. So it'd be like, no matter what I call myself, my first name will always stay to be Chris. And they would add other names. Because every elf child has the right to take their own name, to, to pick their own name. And we'll look at this when we get to the Kilmesse, which is the, the last part, but the, the other two bits I'm going to get to are more important. But a chosen name is called a Kilmesse. The next component to the elf naming was the Amelese, and this is the mother name. This is the name your mum gives you. However, there are two types of Amelese. The most important one, and the most common one, is the Amelese Tersenye, which means the mother name of insight. And this is given by their mothers as their child's, na- uh, as their child's like uh, personality, ego, blah, 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 starts to develop. So, like, your mom will watch and, like, you, you know, like, um, you know, they'd watch their kids growing, and they'd say, oh, you're stubborn. So then you might become Chris Stubborn. Uh, such and such a son, right? So, so then your mom might give you the name of Stubborn. Obviously, it might sound better in Quenya or Sindarin, whatever language you're speaking. So that's the name of insight, and it's based on who you are as a person that your parents would observe. Then the, there's the next one, which is the Amelese Apesenye, which means the mother's name of foresight. And this is when the mother, at the hour of birth, 
is given a special vision of their child's fate that the mother received? And can you think of a famous Noldor elf who fits the bill for this? I left that little pause there because that's our Dora the Explorer moment. And that's where you'd be shouting at your headphones or at your phone. <gasps> and the answer. But then next in the elf name is the Epese, which is the afternoon. This is your... So it's, it's afternoon. It's not quite a surname. It's more of an afternoon. So this is a nickname or honorific gained by an elf later in life. And a great example of this is Gil-Galad. Because Gil-Galad's quote-unquote real name, like father name, is... Erenion or Artanaro, depending on which version of the material you're looking at. Like, so Gilgalad as an aftername just means like is this, it's a Sindara name and it means star of radiance or starlight or star of bright light, and that comes from Gil, star, and Galad, radiance. And but Gilgalad is a contentious figure just because of how much law was written and rewritten about him. So now the final component of an elf name is Kilmese, and you're thinking. Well, if I was an elf, what if I wanted to change my name? What if I didn't like the names I was given? And elves can do this, and this is their Kilmesa. And this is the names that they would devise for themselves during the course of their very, very long life. So the new chosen name would be added to the list of the names they had, started with their given name from their fathers. And the first time they did this was as a kid. And the ceremony was called Ese Kilme which means name choosing. And the Noldor kids took particular joy in this because of the elves, Noldor were the best at languages and, and they savoured the creation of words. I've mentioned in the Noldor episodes of like the, their great law masters was called like the Lambengel Gormo. And, and that's just the best of the best. But everybody and every Noldor generally had a great appreciation for language. But this name choosing would take some place after uh, take place sometime after the name making. But it was only when the child was deemed ready, and for the Noldor in particular, this was only allowed when the kid had gained an appreciation, a mastery, and pleasure from spoken words, and that pleasure was called lamat yave, which comes from the word lama. And tiave. Lama means word and tiave means taste. Uh, sorry, lama is sound, so it's sound taste. And that's what th this was called is that once they had that appreciation for language and they were deemed ready, uh, naturally you could expect like Feynor did it fucking early as usual. That concept of the lama tiave is pretty par for the course for Tolkien. I mean, to me, it's an interesting concept to, to learn about at first in general, but it's pretty par for the course for a philologist who loved words anyway as an aside i'm reading currently a book called J.R. tolkien an architect of middle earth or the architect of middle earth or whatever by someone called grotter and it was published at first in the 70s so it was before the silmarillion and everything and it goes into it's it's the unofficial biography of tolkien i.e the carpenter one was was given the blessing of the family this grotter one was not given the blessing by the family and he does mention at various points that Tolkien was a fantastic philologist and he inspired a lot, a lot, a lot of students to become philologists and, and things like that. And even his grand, one of his grandkids became a philologist. There might have been more, but I've only read about one so far. But ironically, Tolkien himself struggled with words because he, he, apparently he mumbled a lot and he wasn't a great public speaker but he you know he he was very inspiring and Tolkien once said that Sindarin and Quenya were based on Welsh and Finnish 
the Finnish language and, and the Welsh language. And that you said he described Finnish as like um he said it was like a fine wine. So so to him he savours the sounds of different languages and different words the way a sommelier would save a wine or me as a big fat bastard would save a food. But if you listen closely when you look think of Sindarin, you can kinda hear some of the Welsh influence when you get like those rolling L's in things and then when you've also got like the mountain names so if you listen really closely the elfish name elvish name for Mount Doom sounds quite Welsh it's Oroduin which it's it's really subtle but it is there and Caradras which again it's like you've really got to listen to that that, that philology to understand where he put those Welsh influences. But it really was there. Now, another interesting thing to talk about with elf names is that the father name was public, so Chris is public, right? That's my public name. It was freely given, freely talked about, blah, 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 blah. But the chosen name was private. Now, private, but not secret, okay? So the difference is people might know your private name, but... It didn't give them some secret power. It didn't give you like magic power over you. It wasn't like a. It, it wasn't able to control you or anything like that. But it was intimate, and intimate in the sense that your kids would might call you that. Your brothers and sisters, or a lover, or a, a best friend. But if you weren't any of those people and you called them their chosen name, that would be a big insult. So. For example, my given name is Chris, but I'd find it highly weird if anybody except Becca called me Tugger Tugger Fat Nuts. And exceptions to this would be the mother's name of Insight, which is the uh, Amelese Tersenia. And sometimes that was deemed more accurate of a name, and so in general use, the elves would use that name more than the father name. So the name of Insight that your mother gave you would replace the name that your father gave you because it was just more accurate and it was better use. Although, on an elf birth or death certificate, if they had such things, the father name would still be there right at the beginning, but for everyday use, your mother's name would take over. And in the early days of elves, like i.e. pre-exile of the Noldor and, and them all coming back to Middle-earth, blah, 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 it, basically like pre-first age, I'm going to say, uh, sorry, pre-second age, it was common for sons' names to be derived from fathers and daughters from mothers. So let, let's put this all together in an example, right? Let's have a look at our favourite war criminal. We'll talk about Feanor. So we'll start with his dad. Finwy, king of the Noldor, named his firstborn son Finwion, which means son of Finwy. However, as his talents were revealed, Finwy changed Feanor's name to Kuru Finwy, which means skilled one of Finway. This is Finway's son, and he is skilled. You got me? So we've got the father name there. So interestingly enough, it is way back in the beginning, he was called Minion, which was first begotten, but then obviously he is Finweon, firstborn son of Finway. Then when they saw he was skilled, his dad changed his name to Kuru Finway. So his father name is Kuru Finway. Then we have the Amilese Apasenye. Muriel didn't live long enough to give him a name of insight, so she gave Feanor a name of foresight because she was given a, a, a vision of him. Muriel saw in the hour of birth that her child was strong and fiery, 
and Saul called him Feanaro, which means spirit of fire. Feanor then took that as uh, like Feanor as his chosen name in honor of his mother. Now I will point out my own flaw here. There is some name jump between Feanaro and Feanor. It's not that big, but it naturally is there. They are two separate names, but they seem there's no real explanation that I could find that they go from Feanaro to Feanor. It might have just been a change in the writing that I wasn't aware of, or I might have looked at two different editions while I was researching this, but the way I'd explain it in my head is just, it's a modification. Feanaro changed to Feanor, easier to say. That's his chosen name. But it said that he took that in honor of his mother. Then later in life, he would take his Kilmese, would be son of Serinde, or Therinde, based on you know whether you got the S for Muriel's last name or the little th sound. And then after creating the Silmarils, he added to his names, he, he gave himself another name, another Kilmese, the Lord of the Lights. So, on his death certificate, slash probation documents made by the Valar, Feanor's full name would be... Finweon slash Kuru Finwe, Feanor, son of Thurinde, the Lord of the Lights. That would be his full name. Is everyone with me? You good? You still here? The analytics will tell me if you're not, so you better still be. Right, let's move on. The Noldor elves in general had many names by other people, and I dare say they had more than Kanye West and Snoop Dogg combined, it seemed. The Sindarin speakers, i.e. everyone who wasn't the Noldor, who was an elf it seems, called them the Golothrim, which again is a D-H, so Golothrim, or the Gothelim, again, G-O-D-H-E-L-L-I-M, Gothelim. However, some other Sindar elves, the Falmari, they lived um, they lived in Alqualondi, and they were lived under King Orwain, subject to the first kinsling. They called the Noldor the Goldoi, which, considering what they did to them, they got off pretty fucking lightly just being called the Goldoi. And these words all mean some variation of wise one, sage, or, or like deep one, blah blah blah. An instance of a, an elf being called a sage specifically is Pengalov, who was the lawmaster of the Noldor in the city of Gondolin. Now for the Noldor elves, the singular form is Noldor, and the Quenyan is Noldor, obviously. Telerin is Goldor, because the, the Telerin elves had their own language at some point. And in the tongue of humans, the word was Nom. And this was given by a man called Beor to the elf Finrod Felagund, and it means a wise one. And in the language of the orcs, the orcs called the Noldor Golug. That's pretty much it for like naming conventions and what have you. So we're going to cover off the Valarin language now, which for me, this is where it gets a bit spooky. Because it's a bit, it's a bit weird, a bit alien, a bit, um, a bit conspiracy. It's almost got like a conspiracy feel to it. It's like a lost language. And we'll talk firstly by talking about the Mahanaxa. And this is the Ring of Doom, which is where the Valar sat and passed judgment. And so this was where Feanor was on trial for drawing a sword on Fingolfin. And Mahanaxar is the Quenyan name for the place. And it has, a, it has an interesting etymology because it borrows from the Valarin language, which we're going to talk about in a second. And the elves had a Quenyan word, a Quenya word for the nine most majestic Valar called the Aratar. And the singular was Arata, which means High Ones, the Exalted, the Supreme, etc., etc. And these nine were Morgoth, Manwe, Varda, Aule, Yavanna, Ulmo, Mandos, Niena, and Oromir. Now, obviously, nine became eight after a certain time. But the Mahan part of Mahanaxa means Chief Valar, and that's borrowed from the Valarin language. And the word in the Valarin language is Mashanash. 
which means authority. So it all circles back to like this is the place where the bosses meet. So every which way you dissect Mahanaxar, Ring of Doom, it comes back to this is where important shit happens. Now, let's go and talk about the Valaran language. There is exceptionally little about this by design. And the Valaran language, when the Valar and the Aino took physical form, when they descended to Arda, they could communicate by thought. But part of what they wanted to do was they wanted to communicate the way that the children of Iluvatar would. So they made their own language. However, it had some problems, and as such, wasn't widely adopted. We know very little about it, and it is still spoken by them, but rarely in the presence of, of like, other elves. But what's interesting is that, so this was the language of the Ainur, as I mentioned. It's also called the eldest speech. This may very well have been the first language ever spoken out loud. But it sounded so alien to the elves that it was awful, and it was uncomfortable for them to hear. Which, that's like, that's like cosmic horror shit where... It's like you'd need four tongues and eight lungs to be able to say this word type of shit. So instead, the Valar learned Quenya. And Pengelo, the famous Noldor lawmaster, cites another Noldor called Rumil. He's the one who invented the first system of writing that I was talking about, that Feyenoord improved upon to make Tengwa. Anyway, uh, apparently Rumil wrote a lot with Chalabridge. And all of this can be found in The War of the Jewels, which is in the History of Middle-Earth series. But Rumil wrote, The Eldar took few words from the Valar because few words of Valarin could be fitted to elvish speech without great change or diminution. For the tongues and voices of the Valar are great and stern, yet also swift and subtle in movement, making sounds that we find hard to counterfeit. And their words are mostly long and rapid, like the glitter of swords, like the rush of leaves in a great wind, or the fall of stones in the mountains. And it is written that the Vanyar elves adopted more Valarian words into their language than any of the others, but some did, some did make it through. And surprise, surprise, of all elves, Feanor knew the most. However... Because, you know, he fell out with the Valar. Uh, again, go back and listen to our episodes on the Noldor. He refused to teach anyone about them. And so when he died, that knowledge died. And unless you can get an audience with the Vanyar elves or the Valar themselves, you are shit out of luck. Another interesting thing that I came across that I wanted to mention here is that Pengalo goes on to say that the names we have for the Aino, like um, like Gandalf's names, Alorin and Manwe, Varda... Mandos, Namo, well, two of the same ones, Tulkast, blah, blah, blah. They're simply titles. They're not their actual name. So Manwe isn't called Manwe. They're titles. So like, it's, it's like calling a police officer, like you say officer, like you wouldn't, like you might not know their name. So like you'd be calling them officer. And I found that like, just like crazy because they do have what's called right names. Like they do have personal names. It's just never fucking recorded. The only exception to that is Orome. And it said that, Orome withheld all of his titles when he first met the elves because he didn't want to scare them. So Orome is the only, like, Valar whose name we actually know, which is just like... Because Mandos, uh, like, let's say Mandos. Mandos, everyone says, like, oh, his name's Namo. Namo means judge, and Mandos is the names of the halls where he lives. So that we still don't know any of their names except Orome, just like their functions. And what's also a fascinating point here that I discovered about the language of the Valar, like the Valarin, is that all of the languages in Arda are connected to Valarin somehow. So Quenya, obviously, is naturally takes a, takes a fair few words from that. But the language of the Dunedain, Adunei, and even Kuzdul from the Dwarves all share common elements in places. And Pengaloth seems to think that this is due to something quite simple. 
that when the Valar take on physical form, when they took on physical form for the first time, they looked at the world through the eyes of people with physical bodies. And that's the thing we all have in common. Like, elves have a physical body, dwarves have a physical body, the Valar had a physical body, and thus... There is some structure, some form to the language that you can find common elements. And it says that even Kuzdul, which is the Dwarven language, it, it, it's got a lot of some of the same structure as the Valarin. But that is not as surprising as you think, considering that Aule taught them their language directly as soon as they woke up. And it said that Dwarvish rarely changed. Like, it was a very slow language to change, whereas the others did shift. But it's interesting that all of these languages connected. And, and that can be echoed in the real world with uh, Proto-Indo-European, which is the, basically the, the mother language for most of the languages that I spoke in the Western world I can only speak to now. So, again, I've mentioned this, I think, in our Bayon episode. Bayon? Yeah, Bayon episode about like the, the dark origin of the, the, the word bear. That from Proto-Indo-European, you gave birth to other families, and, and some of those are like the Germanic languages, and then you've got the Romance languages, and then obviously English is like this weird little mongrel language where we just fucking take everything. But it seems like Valarin is kind of like that, in a sense that like there's common elements to be found in each, which is pretty cool. So it's said as well that in the earliest versions of the Silmarillion, the Valarin language was further divided into three more subsets. That was Oromean, Aulean, and Melkian. And I think it said at some point it was planned that Oromean would be from whence all Elvish languages sprang, which would make sense because he's the one who, you know, met them first. And I think that some parts of that story thread must have stuck around with the Aulean in particular because, again, he taught the dwarves to speak. And then I think Aulean might be, the uh, Kuzdul might be the, the closest mirror to what Aulean sounded like. And for the Valarin language, it's it said that there's in the real world, there's no real concrete evidence as to where Tolkien got inspiration from. There is speculation that it has elements similar to ancient Babylonian, but nothing concrete. It's just said that it was meant to be like spoken by superhuman beings, blah, blah, blah. And one thing I wanted to talk about as well is... Before, so I've got the, the last bit I want to cover is um, pretty much all the Valarian words we know that I thought were interesting to talk about. But I wanted to talk about a little bit about the, the language as well, in that something I've discovered from this this biography that I'm, I've wrote, uh, reading about Tolkien. Tolkien's view was that language existed to tell our stories to like tell it so like mythology drove the invention of language rather than language was used to invent stories it was more like people would experience things or they'd have a story they wanted to tell and they would make the words and the languages to tell that story and that's the approach he took with all of his writings and he said that for me, a name comes first, and from the name springs the story. And obviously, we see that with in the hole in the in a hole in the ground there lived the Hobbit. And he said, "What you know?" He started looking at like, "What's a Hobbit?" Blah blah blah. And it all went from that. And, and I just found that absolutely fascinating. That idea that we invent language, we invent words to tell the stories, rather than we use the language we have to make up stories. So. You can imagine that like prehistory type thing where like this proto-indo-european let's let's take that for example proto-indo-european language that they would see this creature that would hibernate through the winter and it would come and it would wreck your farm or, or like it would wreck your homestead it would kill your your family it would kill your pets it would maul whoever and you had to tell people what this thing was and then it's that mythology behind this evil creature that came and then you see the ursus like you know like the uruk like and, and you know like 
that was one of the earliest words for bear and it's that mythology is is driving the creation of the language and that's where you know Tolkien kind of w- was coming from which I thought was just fucking fascinating anyway I am rambling so Valarin quite a short list so we'll we'll have a, a go at it and I apologize for my pronunciation for this eldritch language which w- was bad for elves here so let's start the word for Arda which is Atharathelun Arda, what the fuck? And Athara means appointed. Akashan means he says. And the he is capitalized because it means Eru. So whenever they'd say Akashan, it would mean Eru says something. And the word, this this word here is the root of the word we get the word Aino. And it means, naturally, Aino means holy great ones. But the word in Valarin for themselves is Ayanush. And then you've got things like Delguma, Dome, Inidil, which is a lily, Itir, Light, Mashalam, Throne, Mashan, Authority, Mashanumash, Authorities. Then we'll get into a, another fun one, which is Mirubors, which is a word that means honey wine, beginning of a longer word. And the elves take inspiration from this for the Quenya word Miravor which is a sweet mead drank by elves and lucky members of the Fellowship. And if you remember when they were passing over Karadras, uh, Gandalf stops everyone and says, here, drink some Miravor. So yeah, they feel better. And the Quenyan form of Miravor means precious juice. And it was. Next up, we've got the full word in Valarin for the Ring of Doom, which is Machananashkat, which just that sounds like I'm fucking casting a spell. And then you've got Rushur, or Urush, Fire, Shebeth, Air, Ulu, Water. And the last one, fuck me. This one is Naharera. Naharera. Which, that, that's the Valarid name for Naha, which is Orobe's horse. And hilariously, Naha is said to just be an onomatopoeia after they heard him make a noise like, like neighing so my guess is they said to Oromir what's your horse called and he went Nahare. and they went yeah nah fuck that like let's just do our own version of it and just they just went alright what about Naha and that was it and that's pretty much it like for, for the Valarin language like again it's just it's just mental to think that they can communicate through thought, but they took on the body and they were like, now nah, we want to do this all the way through. So like, let's make a language. And they just they just made a fucking language for it all. And But then that language turned out to be too harsh and the elves couldn't speak it because it was too subtle for them. It was too, the words were too long, the sounds were too, and it said that there was too many consonants for elves and they, they just weren't really used to it. And if you want to know any more about this, I mean, feel free to come and chat with me about it. But also have a look at um, the War of the Jewels. It's not a terribly long section, but it's again, it's one of them ones where it's fucking jam packed, jam packed with information. And there's there's a couple of words I left out because I didn't think they were like too much. But hey, if you want to craft like a, a death threat to someone in Valarin, go and check it out or come and talk to me. We'll we'll have a chat about it. Obviously, I, I wouldn't advise doing a death threat. But again, I, I'm rambling. Jesus Christ! Right, that was that was the solo talk episode. That was just me coming here talking about some nerdy shit I wanted to talk about. So you now know how elf names work, how their titles work and, and honorifics. I, I also meant to say as well, sorry, with the Kill Messi part, 
some of them are can be names that are given by others for like their deeds like you know if an elf does something but it's not often as recognized by the elf themselves because they didn't make it it might like form part of their full title but it's you know and some men kind of took on parts of this like i think aragorn was you know like strider sometimes uh, like uh, you know aragorn son of arathorn lsr strider sometimes known as mormakil you know like that type of thing where they have like little bits of the elvish coming into them that's all i'm going to do for today so once again if you've got this far thank you let me know how this episode went if you liked it tell me if you didn't like it still tell me and i'll make fun of you like come and follow us on instagram join the discord join in with the book club where we can come and read i'm always there i'm always talking loads of shit people who listen to this podcast like come and talk to me every day and we're just having the crack like talking loads of shit we talk about talking a lot it's a yeah it's it's, it's a good little community that i'm just in general anybody who's into talking turns out to be pretty chill in general so i will say i feel quite lucky to have started a podcast in a community that i saw like welcoming of everybody which is nice but yeah that's it for me i'm I'm gonna say goodbye uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks with me and becca Um, i'm not quite sure what we're doing yet because we're hoping to get a guest on at the end of the month where we're gonna have a little bit of a chat about feanor in general and this uh this guest of ours will be someone who is quite a, a fan of feanor not to say that they excuse his actions but they are you know, they're, they're generally considered a fan of Feyenoord, so it'll be interesting to see how Becca makes up her mind on him by the end of, of that. Although, I'm starting at a disadvantage because I came to realise when we were doing the Noldor episodes that Becca is Feyenoord. So that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Then after that, I've already mentioned it before, I'm going to have a look at some of the commerce, some of like the economy type stuff in Middle-earth. I think that'd be fantastic because it's not just as simple as gold and that. It, it's It's interesting in how mundane it seems to be which I thought was fantastic. Going from kind of reading Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit where you have like these sparse references to moneylenders to then looking at some of the essays and what have you where you, you see that it's a fuckload of agriculture. And in that part, we'll also look at a little bit of the agriculture itself and how some of the crops that were growing, uh, grown in Amman, for example, like would eventually make their way to Middle-earth. And I imagine at that point, you all might kill yourselves of, of boredom. The fact that your life has sunk so low that you're listening to a fat man from the north of England talk about grain in a fictional story, which, oh my God, how did we get here? But on that note, I'll uh, I'll let you think about that one. So thank you, and I will catch you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>